Hello and welcome to the National Institute for Gamer Review. I am DK. I am Lewis, and I have still not been called up from IIR. <laughs> the uh, yes, and we're, we wanted to um, to talk about various uh, military stuff. Is also a big news day, and um, we are very grateful to be joined by our uh, special guest, Coffee Long. Hello, sir. What's up, fellas? Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I did not know your show existed, and then Lewis turned me on to it, and I uh, very much enjoyed the episodes that you um, you highlighted as like, oh, yeah, for, for a sense, uh, uh, the, the JFK content was great content, very good uh, rundown, and, and um, yeah, I hope you, you get a bunch of uh, uh, people check out your um, your show. Where, where are you exactly? Right now, I'm only on Telegram, man, because... Uh... I, uh, I just kind of started it out of nowhere because I was for the longest time just horsing around on Instagram. And uh, somebody said, dude, you should you should do a podcast because you never shut up. You know, and I was like, yeah, maybe I'll do that. And then I, I had one on SoundCloud, which like who listens to SoundCloud? But then uh, I got something stood up and it was on for a little while. It was on like Apple. It was on Spotify. It was like everywhere bad content is listed. And then I got sledgehammered out of nowhere, and it kind of pissed me off because I had um, I had a really decent episode talking about uh, the ADL, and that was probably the thing that did it, like the Leo Frank situation, and um, you know, murdering kids in pencil factories and that whole thing. And it was I, I was really proud of that. And then like a jackass, I didn't have it saved anywhere, and uh, I got zucked. And now, so now I'm just on Telegram. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll um, I'll try to make a point of. of- putting your stuff in the show notes and um yeah and i don't i don't obviously we don't want to be like doxy or anything but um no, not at all you can you can i mean you you sound like someone who with experience in the military realm i guess is how i'd put it as delicately as i can yeah yeah i spent a really long time there um i came in i came in i'm an old dude i came in in the early 90s I spent 20 years in the special operations scene. So, you know, and in fairness, where some dudes will say, like, I was in special operations and they spent their time, you know, running extension cords or whatever. Uh, I was I was the guy in the video game. I was kicking doors and dragging guys in tracksuits out into the street and um, setting things on fire. And I did that for 20 years. And, uh, and then towards the end of that song and dance, I started figuring out that, like, hey, maybe maybe these people we're doing this for aren't really on our side. Like, maybe I'm the henchman here. You know, and then which, you know, fast forward to today. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, I was having this interaction with, with uh, someone on, on Twitter because I'm, I'm, I don't know how long it'll last, but I'm back on Twitter for now. And um, it was, it was a really kind of clarifying moment. I, I thought of uh, this person sort of, I was, I was getting into the weeds of, you know, the science of why the homicidal gas chamber story in Auschwitz could not possibly just scientifically be real and this person sort of pivoted to like, well, um, you know, we, that's right. We murdered all of your people in Dresden and, and we do it again because it was the right thing to do. And I'm like, OK, but notice like the um, like my argument here is here's an alleged mass murder of civilians that didn't happen. And here's all the reasons why it didn't happen. Your argument is and this is just Zog's thing generally, right, is. Yeah, we bombed Dresden. Yeah, we bombed Tokyo. Yeah, we bombed Hamburg. Yeah, we are the only people who have ever shot nuclear weapons off in anger. Um, but it was good, and we'll do it again if we have to to protect Jews from losing power 
or something. And it's 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 the 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 we are the baddies meme is kind of funny because it's an entirely aesthetic critique of you know it, it comes from this com British comedy show, right? Mitchell Webb, the same the guys who did the um what was that? They did another show. I forget the uh whatever. It doesn't matter. But the um and you know they're in the the, the SS uniforms. They got the death heads, and they're like, hey, you ever stop and think like we're the baddies? It's like yeah, but that doesn't like. Like skull and bones just look cool. Like nobody who, none of the people still to this day, none of the people who, yeah, uh, bombed the people who bombed Dresden are the same people who overthrew the government of, of Afghanistan in order to install like Bakabazi, you know, boy molesters in power, right? Like Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam, Uncle C Sam seal of approval on that regime. You know, the the opium production in Afghanistan has plummeted. It's complete. It's fallen off a cliff, and they're whining about it. In like the Financial Times and New York Times, you know, Jewish International Finance Press is is butthurt that like oh we can't get the precursors for opiates. It's yeah. just it's this the important thing here. <laughs> I will say I think that this is a difference between somebody from like the regular army and the uh, special operations scene is that the regular army gets disillusioned much faster because you're clearly not the protagonist, right? Like I was like the bad guy in Metal Gear Solid, just walking my like I'm on the base. In the desert, I mean, you're on patrol. Back, who gets back, like back, out. back, yeah. back, to, well, back turned to like where I'm gonna get stuck <laughs> yeah. on. And if like I, I'm clearly not the protagonist, I'm clearly working with the bad. I'm like clearly the bad guy. Whereas I think the the set operations, you could oh, I'm the protagonist. I'm the Jason Four. I'm right. the whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, it's it's kind of weird because you kind of get into this thing where you know at first you're so pumped up, and I mean, dude, right after. 9-11, everybody was so pumped up. And in retrospect, it was such bullshit, man. I mean, it, it's like, real. that's your story? That, like, these I guys lived through 9-11. Yeah, as, as as I'm, I'm, I guess not, probably not as old not as old as you are, but um, older than, than Lewis. And yes, I have. I remember that period quite vividly and was, I was like, I, I don't know, my, my politics have always been kind of strange, I guess. And, and um, it, I didn't fit into any neat boxes even at the time, but yeah, I was even at the time I was like, this is absolutely retarded. Like I always have been allergic to this kind of, you know, guns and Bibles Americana thing. It's just always been it just struck me as just completely retarded. And then the way that it went into completely just overdrive, like circa 2002 just drove me up the fucking wall. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, after I mean, I was in I was in for a good while before that even kicked off. And after a while, like it's not so. You know, it's not so rah rah. It's just a job. Like your job is to be extremely uncomfortable, but you're like, it's just a job, man. And then that thing happened, and everybody got pretty pumped up. But like the night before that kicked off, I was on that initial push in, and uh, they had everybody gathered up, like this whole base, like gathered up in this hangar, and they had that fucking song, that proud to be an American, that that deal. And me and another they guy that at like the other. military base. Yeah, dude, it was it was like oh a it was a high school pep rally, legit. <laughs> I would rally I would have like physically died from cringe. Like the first combat casualties from lethal cringe. Well, that's well that, that like you want to it was cringe, but then like your next thought is like, wait, man, I'm gonna what I'm I'm gonna go do what now and for who and for why? Wait a minute, did I miss did I miss a meeting here? So like I'm looking at this other guy and he's looking at me and both of like the lights are starting to flicker like something isn't quite right here and you don't know exactly what it is yet, but then you show up there and you're like, you're beating the shit out of guys in sandals, you know? And you're like, dude, I, I might not be the good guy on this. I'm starting to have concerns, you know? 
Yeah, and not because there's like a skull and crossbones on your on your hat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not like the content of like the badness. Yeah. That is funny because I went because despite our large age gap, I fought in the same war, <laughs> which is like a because it was a you know a forever war, and yeah. we came in very much pre jaded. Like which which faction of guys are we uh in, you know keeping in power? Oh, they're probably bad too. But like what like. You know, like, what's local, like, I know guys who just refused to learn about the local political situation. I did because it fascinated me, but, like, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it literally doesn't matter. (laughs) That's what guys said when you got there. Like, the inbreed, the second time I went there, um, that was part of the inbrief was some officer comes up and he's like, all right, so here's kind of your regional inbrief long and short if you ever start getting the feeling that you've got a grip on the political situation here you're beyond hope because there's no way you can understand what the hell's happening here people live here don't know what the hell's happening here i'm like oh okay so i just look for guys in drag in track suits and drag them outside and that's really the long and short yeah well so this is kind of what i talked we guys to this what this episode is is like i mean we're just gonna go up here all the place but this is kind of our follow-up to our conscription or recruitment woes episode we did a long time ago now and we wanted to kind of and we've made some predictions about it and now that we've seen like actual conscription in a zog country it's different but i think there's lessons we can learn looking at the ukraine thing and where we were right and where we were wrong and uh i think the biggest clout you mentioned actually you mentioned it on the show while well, one of your shows as well um although i don't know if you, you predicted it but you said you might have how much I called that we'd use the inactive reserve, and it finally got used for the first time, in, I think, since the surge in the Ukraine stuff when a bunch of uh, chemical warfare guys got called up. So I want to click the clout ships that I think it was, I think it was like 18, 18 months ago. I said there would be shortages of specialists, and they have to call up inactive ready reserve guys who were out of the military. You're done. Um, and actually, today, like today, I was going to lunch at work and I get a call from one of the guys I deployed with who's like, hey, I just got a phone call. They said I had a paperwork fuck up and uh, I was supposed to have gone, they kept me on, I'm not, he said I'm not AWOL, but they kept me on like active status when I should have gone to I, I, uh, RR status. And um, because of that, I qualify for my next promotion. And they said if they came back, they'd give it to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude hadn't touched anything since 18, 18 months. Or not 18 months. Eight months. He should be even going. This sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> I told him that. But it's possibly because he did get sent in the packet to like change his status. So maybe it was real. Maybe it's not. But he did say after he turned it down, the uh, first sergeant who called him gave him like a, you know, a six-minute fucking spiel about how great the army is as a career. Uh, so, but yeah, like that's how hard up they are. <laughs> Yeah, okay, great career. Yeah, see you there. <laughs> yeah, also just got, like, uh, I, I he, I mean, obviously, we were all very jaded, but he turned down that same promotion to, like, get, like, hey, do they, they offered, hey, do you want to reenlist? We'll give you this promotion. He turned that down then. You know, he wasn't going to take it after tasting freedom for uh, eight months, you know. Yeah, but, I can't. I mean, I, after I got out, I went back and did some contract instructing for a little while. And I mean, I'm sure you had the same thing where like you miss, you miss a lot of stuff. You miss the, you miss just kind of the vibe. You do feel like you do miss feeling like 
you know, I'm working towards something, even if that something is, you know, a better, stronger Zog. Uh, but, you know, you're just sitting on your ass. And for a while, you're like, yeah, nobody's hassling me. Nobody's calling. And then you look around, and you're like, fuck, man, nobody's calling. Nobody cares, you know. In that sense, you know, yeah, I could see where a guy would miss it and think about going back. But, dude, I went back as an instructor, and I was reminded, like, real quick, like, oh, yeah, everybody's got to stick around because we're going to have tranny in dock hour after this. And then we're well, going to have, you know immigrant also, appreciation hour like the the pay of the contractor was always like the, the allure like oh, oh yeah you'll make that has fallen off hard like when i was there contractors they weren't broke but like if you were to describe to me an 11 months on one month off job or a five months on one month off job where you're mm-hmm. working you're basically always working and i was like oh it's the pay oh it's and it's like 140k i'm like okay you could work yeah. on oil you could work on an oil rig like go fuck yourself you know yeah oil rigs to be four four weeks on two weeks off and you're making this yeah. like the same money and you live in america and you're not confined to a base with me <laughs> you know like right like, dude yeah because the, like, the last time i went there was contractors and this is when i was really looking forward to getting out and there was a guy that i had worked with and it like it's like it's sort of like being a pro athlete. Like you can get to that tier one level, but you're not going to stay there. Like it's pro athlete time. You're going to get two, three years, and then you're going to have to go away because your body just won't take it. You know, and your and your wife won't take it. But um, there was a guy that I had worked with, and I ran into him over there. And at that end, that pointy end of the spear, the line starts to blur a little bit. With like, yeah, he's civilian. He's not even actually active anymore, and yet he's walking point on this patrol. Or, you know, it's it becomes fuzzy, you know, who works where, in what capacity. But this these guys were making like a 1000 plus per day, like just in straight pay, not counting like per diem, plus it's tax-free. But this was a while back. He's like, dude, you got to get out. This shit ain't going to last for – I can, I can only yeah. get out of here as fast as I can. But, right. yeah, in the meantime, I'm making, you know, ass pay, you know, it's, but yeah, it's no yeah. joke. Which is one prediction that I think hasn't panned out yet, but will come that I made in the episode, is that they will have to increase the pay. Oh, it's yeah. just the, the price of labor's gone up. The price of just like Dude, they're not like the fight you remember the fight for fifteen? Like like the, the <laughs> for like I mean I, I literally, you know, no docs, but like I see McDonald's shift managers making more than that advertising. You know, it, it it's just it's not like this idea of uh uh I think the federal minimum wage is still $7 and change state minimum wage is average higher than that. But yeah, no, the, the obviously the pay is going to have to increase, which maybe is a good way to send Dude, you into motherfucking general- star. Sorry. Motherfucking Starbucks yeah. will pay you to go to like pay like, yeah. McDonald's. It's like if you work full-time hours, which is, so some of these companies do fuck you. Like I think Starbucks is notorious for it, but if you work like a full-time job for one of these companies, they will pay for your college. Like the fucking right. GI bill. Oh, also, McDonald's is big on that. No, McDonald's Probably, in particular is big on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, also because they for know people who work for them, people who work for them don't go to college. Like, it's very right. rare. That's what I'm saying. It's like, the, and, yeah. and then yeah. when they do, like, the rare, you know, Negro who can show up however many hours per week on time every time and actually do a college, then it's like, oh, yay, good PR opportunity, you know. Yeah. Yay, we well, did it. Star- and, they, and Starbucks, the, one of the reasons it was, the, one of the reasons they, they're striking in, I think, the Northeast are, is that they would, they offered this incentive that they pay for your couple's college and then only gave you part time hours. To not have to give this benefit, right? No, no, no. yeah, um, exactly. That's the that's but, the, and the healthcare was the big one, yeah, obviously yeah. too, right? Is is then because then you don't have to pay for for healthcare, 
but um, no, they're all there. And that was, you know, and that was obviously exploitative. And it was it, the the part of the, I mean, this is a total tangent, but whatever. Part of the thing that upset me even at the time in um, like uh, talking about my politics being weird was um, I, I voted for Obama and I was happy to do it in large part because of how unfair and unjust I perceived the, the healthcare system to be. And it was it was really eye opening for me, I guess, as, as if I had to replace myself, it would have been somewhere kind of left ish anarcho syndicalist to see the just the massive giveaway that that ended up being to insurance companies and, and like workers, if anything, are in a more precarious situation, even just respect with respect to healthcare. Like nobody, yeah. nobody Although, actually benefits from any of this. I will say it is bad that healthcare is tied to your job. Like that's, it's really kind of a bizarre yeah. thing we do in this country, but <laughs> yeah. like the standard of care you get in the military isn't much like different. Like it's, it's right. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like I hear there's this, about, this, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this thing that like, Oh, the, the military benefits just aren't what they used to be. Like yeah. it's just, so what's the point of taking low pay? So, so, yeah, if you so can't say the, least, if yeah. I can't say, like I said, the episode, the, the draw of the job, if, it, if it's not the money and it's not the benefits, well, can I say faggot at work? And now you can't anymore. So what's the <laughs> fucking point? <Yeah. laughs> Dude, that was what I always told guys whenever somebody would ask about like, should I enlist or should I stay and try to get a better gig or something? And my take was always, like, if you don't know what you're going to get out of this, like, if you're not taking Uncle Sam for a ride, like, you're going to get college, you're going to get some kind of quality you can get out and get paid decently on, then they're taking advantage of you because they're going to run your ass hard one way or the other. So you got to get something. And if you're not, you're getting fucked. But that um, that medical end, though, man, you're not kidding, because that was um, something I noticed after I was in for a while. Is it really is like uh, like if you just do it straight like a normal person, you're going to get like really middle of the road metal, medical care. But if you work it like you got to do it like third world style, like you got to make friends with the right people and get in at the right times and get the guy's number. So you can like, hey, bro, can I get an MRI if there's nobody in there and get in there at like two in the morning or whatever? And then things work out all right. Otherwise, you're just getting hammered. Yeah, and also just the like the the I don't know, it's probably less common in the spinoff side, but like just like the absolute bullshit you go through, especially when you're active duty to just like go to the doctor. Like you have to do an like, deal with like you'd be interrogated by your whole chain of command, like, hey, why did you why can't you go to work today? Like fuck like normal jobs don't do that shit to you, you know? Like it's the same if it's the same oh, quality yeah. care, why have to be interrogated for going to you know, get something checked out. Oh dude, like, I'll tell all, you, man, like there was um when we started rolling hard, it was um, the deal was like, don't even think of going to medical, man. Because if you go to medical and they say you got anything, your back is fucked up. Like pick somebody whose back or shoulders aren't fucked up. And now you get pulled off of operational status, then it'll be like you start losing pay because you got your base pay. But half the reason you're doing this shit job is because you're getting a little extra money. And it's only a little, but it's still a little extra. But if that goes away, like you're off jump status now or something, well, then now what? You're going to lose pay. And now you're losing your spot in the rotation. And now you're going to have a harder time getting promoted. And then they're going to come to you and like, hey, get your shit. Get your gear out of that cage. we got a guy coming in that can actually fucking work. And you're like, oh, golly, sorry. So it's like I well, left, dude. I don't think I took a sick day in like 20 fucking years. Well, that's one of the funniest things about uh, – uh, how, how do you try to think of a way to describe it to people? Like – I was just, you know, just a very straight leg grunt, nothing, nothing fancy. Never jump out of a plane or whatever. But uh, 
how do you say this? The actual, if you look at like the incentive pay you get for like even be like like what jump pay is or combat pay, dude, it's like I think that's all my has like hazardous hazard pay and combat pay. It's like nothing. It's like it's yeah. like it's, it's like what the, like what the fuck? Like I don't think it's changed since like World War Two. It's like here's an extra two hundred dollars to you, son. It's like what the fuck? Yeah. Like I, I I thought there was a war. Like like what we get? Because yeah. the the thing is, guys are guys are, I mean, me included, stupid, and they see that you don't pay taxes overseas, and they attribute that to the combat pay. But actual like combat pay, it's like two hundred bucks, or so it's, yeah. it's everyone is it's not retarded. Like uh, it's not, and, much. Even, and that was the thing for a long time. There was um. Like, uh, how can you say, like, special operations community, like, retired guy kids and this kind of thing, they would be complaining that, like, look, man, when this stuff got instilled, when these pays got instilled, it was a legit piece of money, like, during Vietnam or something. Like, this is legit money, but it hasn't increased in decades. So what used to be like, yeah, I get paid twice what you get paid because I'm doing this over here. Like, it's like a fucking tip now. Like I brought you coffee and like, here you go. There's a, you know, a couple nickels. So they, yeah. they'd advocate for this, but it, it never went anywhere. And by the time it did bump up a little bit, it's not, now it's like back to shitty tip level. So yeah. it is what it is. And, it, and, and it's, and it's really like, it's not insulting. Cause you don't really care. Cause it's not why you're really not doing it for the money at any point, but it's just, the money it's just it's, yeah. But like, it, it was interesting to see how the army was actually for guys. In, I was in Iraq for guys in Syria at the same time. The army had managed to create this like very kind fiction that like oh they they were buying all their food locally and they they weren't. But oh, dude, they get managed to slide those guys like a sixty dollar a day or eighty dollar a day per diem. So they made decent money, but still, even that was like you know okay. And then it's yeah. like, well, why don't I get that? I mean, I'm eating the same shitty food. They whatever. Let's you know. I would get into like the, but yeah, they're gonna have to raise the pay. Like it's it's the rags on the wall for the military. Even if like things did get cool again, the money at this point is so bad. It's even like, like I've had officers tell me like, oh well, you know, if you if you come over to our side because I was going to school, uh, they were like, you can you know in three once you make captain you make a hundred k after like you know six years or four years, whatever it is. It's like, well, in the private sector, like, it's not crazy, and I won't be, like, putting in insane hours. Like, I, I see what you see what captains yeah. work, too. You know, it's like that captain has, he he, he, does, he does, doesn't ever leave, you know? Like, I yeah. could, you know. It's like a whole office of PowerPoint slaves. But it's, it's also just the, if you break it down by, no one in the military makes money if you break it down hourly. If you break it down hourly, oh, it's yeah. hilarious. Like, you want to fucking kill yourself. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I looked uh, at that officer angle as well, man. And I was like, you know, cause after you're there and you kind of figure out how things work, you're like, I know how this fucking job works. I, I should move into a, a leadership position like that. And then you see these guys just humping it. They're in there like cooking PowerPoints, slaving over, like, how do I brief this? How do I pitch this? I'm coordinating meetings with helicopters and God knows what. And like, these guys get no sleep. And then I start thinking like, well, if I put in, you know what, you know, six, eight, 10 years into literally any other job, I'm going to make way more than I'm going to make busting my ass over here. And then you've always got the option of one, getting killed and two, somebody just calling you an asshole and how you leave on bad terms. What do I want with that? 
Yeah, I watched a officer I was very impressed with, uh, who was a lieutenant who very high speed did all. You know, he had been did his job very well. Uh, did like some of the only real work in Syria our whole battalion was doing that was like very serious infantry work. Um, he didn't play the politics good though, and yeah. I watched him get the Army Achievement Medal as his deployment award. Oh, dude. <laughs> That's the pisser. That's the pisser. I think some some dudes they never figure out. Like when you're when you stay back and you're like they say at the flagpole, like you can be right there by the admin offices and you can get all your awards written up and helped out. And, oh yeah, you're gonna get like you walk out of there looking like a Mexican general while some guy that's downrange, like running for his life, is like, oh here's a little something. Yeah. Thanks for the effort, pal. Yeah. Good luck getting promoted I- ever. Yeah, no, it was great. I, I remember reading, like, I would read the intel report. I'm like, is that him? Because it was, like, an American lieutenant in whatever serious reports XYZ thing. And he's doing these great reports, and everyone's reports look like fucking uh, they're written by a retard, because they were. Like, wow, he, he's, he's, really, he's really doing stuff. He's really, like, giving, like, in-depth shit on the situation with this XYZ Kurdish militia outpost and XYZ Turkish border whatever thing. Like, wow, he, he must be really impressing people. And then you, you know, you have the ceremony, and he he stands up with all the privates to get their army achievement medal. It's like, ah, fuck. He was damn dude. But so, yeah, I mean, you're not, you're definitely not wrong. And I mean, I'll tell you like whenever we would have, excuse me, whenever we would have like informants, the way they talked about, like, you know, you look at this guy, is he, is he telling me the truth? What's bringing this guy in here? And they talk about what's the motivation. It could be one of three things. It could be adventure. I just want to do something cool, which that shit don't last. And you can spot that guy hundred miles away Two, money. And everybody likes money. I like money or three ideology. And that's, you know, what starts out as the most powerful motivator. A guy says, Hey, I want to, you know, we saw that in, in Iraq plenty. I'm sure you saw some of that, that like, it's not genuine jihadis. It's not ideological fighters. It's just gangsters. It's just people out to shake somebody down. And there's people that are like, dude, I don't like this shit. I don't like you, but I hate them more. So I'll help you if you promise you're going to leave. I'm like, yeah, man, I don't want to be here either. Oh, yeah, but no, at the end of I'm the day, leaving, but I'll be replaced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be yeah. leaving soon. <laughs> In fact, yeah, I'll be date. soon. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, check this out. But uh, but it always comes down to money, man. And even the most ideological guy eventually is going to be like, hey, you know, you know, I'm very poor. If there's any way, you know, like, yeah, okay, anyway, let me see what I could do. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have to do something, man. And I think that kind of brings it around to to what you're talking about was or you don't want to show up on your own. Well, maybe you show up because I make you show up and, you know, start conscripting fuckers. Yeah. And I think so – let, uh, Let's talk about conscription because that's what I, I, I really want to – like, I, they've been making noises – about like every I don't know I haven't seen the most recent um, figures but I know as of uh, approximately halfway through the year they were on track to not even hit half of their like they they were a quarter of where they needed to be something like that or where they where they expected to be and they're on track for approximately missing their recruitment goals by half do I have that right or am I misremembering do you know. Or, uh, I think all the services are different. I know the Marines actually made yes, that uh, I know. Track, yes. uh, okay. which was like, surprising because they missed it last year or, or were close to missing it last year. I mean, that's almost like battered woman syndrome. Like, there's always going to be people line up for a beating, but 
yeah, well, also, like, the Marines are, like, now, like, a... There's a lot of... I, I, I don't... It's it's a stereotype of the Marines, but it's also very true that, like, they're all just Mexicans. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of Mexicans in the Marine Corps. Like, and there's a lot of... And they're just... And, they're, and there's always going to be more, like, if you can speak passable English, like, they'll they'll get you in there. And uh, I, I think... Also, the Marines are very small. Marines are, are uh, like, in terms of, like, how many, like, divisions, it's like, eh. Like, they're not actually a... They're not, they're not a conventional, like, they're, they're, they are so small that you could send the entire American Marine Corps into Ukraine and it wouldn't affect the outcome. Like, it's, it's with, what, 90,000 guys? It's something tiny. That's uh, it's like point. one corps, one, one army corps or something. Yeah, uh, I actually, I believe, I, I believe, it's like, it's like, uh, cause they're not, they're organized in a weird way. There's only a few divisions. But also, look at what, what what portion of those are frontline guys too? Uh, well, and also, how worse. much of that is dependent on, like, how much of their avi- aren't all the is there okay. marine aviation that is not carrier based? Oh, uh, what is I don't the, believe. I'm not so sure. They, I don't know. They are uh, there's 180 thousand active personnel. Okay, all right. Well, that is a fair number, but yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. How, what would that prolong the war by six months? You know, like. It's, yeah, I'm sure like, with the combat arms, it's actually hard to find information on what the combat arms side of it, size of it is. Um, but yeah, the Marines are organized in a funny way. But yeah, but uh, yeah, like they're, they're, they're just they're, they're going to hit their numbers because they have certain things that you know they're just smaller. The army is just never going to hit its numbers, and I think that's that's the future. And there's only so much more the army can downsize. Um, there's not the the same problems are hitting the, the national guard too, because like it's the kind of problems roll downstream and the national guard gets a boost because guys will can like get out early into the national guard. There's some kind of deal where if you leave early, they'll give you like a, there's some odd, like I, we had it in my guard unit, guys who had a bad time in active duty or like could take some kind of a, I forget what it's called, but basically like, Hey, you, you really fucking hate it here, dude. Take this like, guard contract instead and uh that'll probably sustain i bet a lot of guys took i know a lot of guys took those for uh during like vaccine shit time so we had a lot of guys like who weren't vaccinated come to our unit and then like then get kicked out of our unit over vaccine stuff which was <laughs> kind of funny but uh there's just so like you're gonna see probably those guys people rolling out to trying to leave into the guard for a while but then like once in the, the guard is actually the uh you know or where a lot of the infantry are in the army, people don't realize that like it's 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 relatively uh, infantry heavy. Um, so you like when once you look at the balance sheets and there's like there's actually not that many like fighting soldiers because I think people are going to get very scared and uh, they're going to have to do some kind of a draft because there's no cho- they don't have a choice at a certain point uh, that in the next you know ten years when you can't like. Iran is a very large country. It ha- it's very mountainous and has a lot of large cities that are going to even if you just you could take even if you can not say like just win the conventional war like it's Iraq. It's like I think it's a, it's larger than Iraq, so you're going to require like a a large surge type army, but all the things that made the surge possible uh, are not there anymore. Just like demographically. Um, ide- American ideology, such as it is, uh, like we cannot. Uh, uh, I believe 
Iran has like two or three s- cities that are fucking huge in the way Baghdad is. Not as big as Baghdad, but like comparable to where you would need Baghdad. Well, like, they're also Persians, not Arabs. And this was something well, that like. Yes, that's <laughs> very. Yeah. It would be rough. What? No, yeah, I mean, they, this is just these are not like like low agency, low IQ, like dirt farmers, you know, sand edition. Like these are people with thousands of years of history, like a elaborate literary culture, you know, their own indigenous nuclear weapons program. Like this is like you know not the yeah. same. But yeah, I mean, oh. even besides Iran, I mean there's so many we're committed in so well, many places. Uh, in I forgot what I was gonna say is that Iran thought the U.S. Army and the U.S. military broadly will not be allowed to drop below the ability, like the threshold where it can attack Iran. Like we're not doing it right now, but like, but the U.S. military, the, the Pentagon exists to be able to take out Iran if we have to. If we lose the ability, if we would actually lose because we're too small, you have to like do a draft. To go, but I don't even know. I mean. I mean the fundamental problem. I don't want to necessarily get into economics because I, I, I don't, I don't understand economics that that well, and I also just I don't think anybody does, and I think the whole thing is fake, and it's not clear to me. Just there's a lot of it that's that's unclear. But since we're talking about pay and recruitment, and they're just going to have to pay more, and how this fits into the picture of just the American Empire's ge- geostrategic situation generally, I, I don't. It's not immediately obvious to me that. The physical resources and projected military power that underlie the value of a U.S. dollar are going to be able to underlie the value of enough U.S. dollars to sustain even just a military that's that's a capable of launching that kind of an attack on Iran. Do, do you do you follow? Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah so, like, I mean, yeah. Long and short is like it's we're just holding up this artificial tent of of bullshit long and short. And it's, it's just patched together on so many sides. And like you, I do, I a hundred percent agree that our primary focus is ultimately and always will be Iran because, because I'm a greatest ally, but we've got all of these other obligations that make this, this, I don't know how else do you say like fake and gay existence possible, you know, between Asia, cause we have to keep a presence in Asia if for no other reason than to appease the Japanese and the Koreans, we have to keep a presence in the Middle East, obviously for Israel. We have to keep a presence in Europe because we're literally the only thing holding NATO together. So it's like so also point, holding the holding the Germans down, right? If we're not in yeah. Germany, things get weird. As we're already we're seeing, right? We, you know, we, 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 democracy is under threat, so we got to ban this political party. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we are seeing some things where like. Obviously, Ukraine is kind of the er example, but it's not just Ukraine. Uh, you can see it on the on the periphery as well that actually sending American troops as a sign of like American commitment to an area is becoming less common. But selling off gear, we would like generally we, we used to be like pretty liberal with our troops going fucking everywhere, but like selling our gear was a little more of a uh, less less very much less common. And now you're seeing American hardware being sold or given to fucking everybody. And troops are being a little, uh, much more conservatively deployed. But yeah, and I don't that's, think end of, that, that's, um... that's end of an empire shit because that stuff can be turned right back, back around at you. Like, sure, you gave the whoever, whatever's, you know, 
Patriot missiles or F-35s to fucking everybody. But, like, what if things change tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, training tomorrow's uh, training tomorrow's insurgents today, that's like uh, how many decades have we been doing that? But I don't know if you saw that um, that Douglas McGregor interview with Tucker. Like somebody sent it to me. Ambrose sent no, it to I, me. No, I, I, I just haven't had time, you know, because it, it, it dropped. And then I was actually going to sit down and take the time to watch the whole thing. I don't normally watch like hour-long Tucker Carlson videos, but if he's interviewing yeah. McGregor. Gregor's making anti-Semitic dog whistles, not even dog whistles. He pretty much oh, out and said, out and said, like, give us the, give us the, give us the high points. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but yeah. Gregor, there's a quote and, and I'll, I'll drop it in, in a chat, but yeah, it's basically, he says the reason why the Kagans and the Newlands and blah, 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 have this animosity towards Russia is because they are ethnic Jews who were kicked out with the pogroms and stuff. Like, so he's fully aware and making, interesting statements and and yeah i i i just haven't but the, but then we i we you know what's funny is we, we scheduled this a while back or not that long but you know we we had it, it was some lead time and um the whole thing was we we didn't want to get uh, well we, we we haven't so far been news cucked, but we also have mentioned like the insane shit that's happened in the past 24 hours uh with the ukraine situation so um, oh, which I do want to like continue talking about. Yeah, but Mike Enoch killed fucking Mike Enoch killed Perosian. <laughs> Mike killed. I'm just gonna say it. Mike Enoch killed Perosian. Like I, I listened to Strike and Mike on the way into work this morning, right? And Mike Enoch's like, uh, I don't, you know, the one thing that doesn't really jive with my worldview is, you know, they haven't like, you know, put this guy in a gulag yet. This Perosian guy's walking around like it's nothing, and then like. <laughs> On the way back from work, Telegram's Two like hours later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sorry, um, but coffee. You were you were saying about um, Colonel McGregor? No, who I I I like, just last side note before I want to hear what you have to say is I I don't know, not exactly suspect. I I he's a smart guy, and and I think an ambitious guy who's been frustrated in his ambitions. So. I, I, you know, I think he's making a play for a certain to be a certain kind of Caesar figure at some level. I don't know if he's actually going to do anything or not, but that he seems to be kind of triangulating his way into that role. Now, please. I mean, that's that, that sounds like a possibility. I mean, I'd like to see something like that, but um, I mean, something I did because I'd never heard the guy speak before, and I was kind of like somebody. Well, Ambrose sent it to me. I was like, yeah, whatever, man. I'll listen to this. I don't see what the guy says. But it was kind of reminiscent, of, and you guys have probably seen this. You know, when you do meet somebody that really does have some kind of insight about some kind of thing, whether it's fucking sports or bridge building or whatever, and you hear them talk about it, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, all right, that makes sense. Hearing this guy talk about, about that situation, some of the ins and outs, and what that means for you, uh, Whitey, you know, it was really like this guy really does have his shit together. This guy knows what's going on. And I don't know if it's that he's frustrated or he's got nothing else to lose. I mean, you're retired now and he, he knows he's old. He's been around since Vietnam. And maybe it's like, what are you going to do to me? You know? So he's just, he is, I mean, that, that specific dog whistle. I mean, the guy said straight out, he did everything short of just straight naming them. And he says, to be clear, simple, like he strikes like, me. Yeah, sorry, go on. Uh, no, well, he says, uh, he says, you know, these people that are really pushing, pushing this conflict, you know, the Newlands and the, these people, the Kagans, I think it was. He says, you know, 
as for the, uh, he says, what? How did he say? He said like a lot of them have origins in that part of the world, and that may have something to do with their particular axe to grind with yeah. Russia. <laughs> but and it was like ding. So like if you know, you know, and you just heard it. <laughs> like, oh, I, he I he strikes me about. ultimately, or at least at this point, as essentially like a like a Pat Buchanan type person i think he's he's quite i mean he's he's as i understand it he has cited um pappy Cannon a bunch and 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 has essentially endorsed buchanan's i would say correct from a kind of if you're going to do the americanist thing then pat buchanan's is basically the best read you could have on essentially why the united states should not have gotten itself involved in the second world war um which is not the same thing as like what i would say the correct stance is actually the united states should have sided with the Germans, right? Like that's the actual, like, yeah. the, you know, but, but, uh, but so there's, so there's, a, it's not that I'm in, it's not that I think that he's quote unquote or whatever, not quote unquote, uh, forward slash our guy forward slash. Right. Um, that's not yeah. what I'm saying. And I'm not even saying it necessarily that I would like, you know, I, I would, I would, I would vote for Colonel McGregor for Caesar or something. Um, although I, I might, it would be funny pretend, potentially and, and probably an improvement. Um, I don't know that it's like a stable equilibrium politically for the United States. I don't know that it would, Actually, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not endorsing any of that. I'm just saying, I think he, like uh, someone like he's like Victor Davis Hanson, but a, a, you know, a, a soldier, not an academic or a farmer or whatever. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I think he's more like he's, he's like he. I, I think it's. I have a less. I'm actually. I want, don't want to like brand the parade. I am less impressed by McGregor and Ritter and these like paleocon guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find paleoconservatism and it's and it's like I guess veterans veterans to be basically worthless like it's like oh like you guys are like the la- losers from like the 90s yeah you were right <laughs> but like yeah you were right but so was David Duke and he yeah, won right, a, right, right, he right. won more elections yeah, than you yeah, did, fucker. David Duke or anything. <laughs> David Duke's I'm locked in Ukraine. To- I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, just specific to this, this Ukraine yeah. thing, the guy had a lot of takes that was like, yeah. oh yeah, that's a concern. Cause like when you were talking about, yeah, we're, we're instead of sending advisors or sending somebody, you know, troops to have some kind of a presence or pass on some kind of know-how we're sending just stuff and people make this shit argument that like, oh, we're just getting rid of old stuff. And ah. this guy is talking about, Okay, even if we are just getting getting rid of old stuff, what are you replacing it with? You're replacing it with the exact same stuff. So you're going to send F-16s. Okay, cool. But what are you going to replace it with? Another fucking F-16. You're sending Abrams tanks. You're replacing it with what? Another fucking Abrams tank. So what are you really doing here? You're just selling off. You're selling this place off one fucking thing at a time. Uh, but But at the end of the day, too, is that like, how do you see this fucking conflict going, man? How do you see this fucking ending? There's, and it's like it's like this fucking Zelensky and these fucks in D.C. Like they think this is a goddamn movie. Like somehow there's going to be this magical fucking formula, like these little drone attacks on Moscow. That like, oh, doggone it! And and Putin's going to like throw his papers across the desk, and we like, just can't uh, beat yeah, these fucking like young the like, I touched your I touched your train station. Now you can't use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just no fucking way, dude. It's not in the cards. But they keep dumping money into it and like, come on, you got to fight harder. So these fuckers are getting pulled off the street and drug out there. And I hear these takes that like, oh, well, they'll take a, uh, they'll part out some of these 
more competent Ukrainian units and they'll put one or two guys with a whole gaggle of conscripts. And just like taking up a gaggle of coloreds or Somalians and you put them in a school, like it doesn't make the Somalian kids smarter. It makes everybody else dumber. It makes everybody else act like that, act like a knucklehead. So the same way, like you take a competent soldier, it doesn't make the whole unit competent. It just makes, it just adds one more name to a list of a completely in-fucking-competent unit. So, so this is where I want to talk about their death. But conscription broadly is that I think that was our assumption in the beginning of this conflict. But I am willing to reassess that, like, maybe you can actually just draft, if it's white guys, right? I think you could actually just draft Europeans into scratch battalions with one, like, corporal as their lieutenant, like a regular army corporal, and they seem to be doing, like, okay. Like, there are units of of the TDF that were, like, units that were pulled from guys who had no prior military experience, who joined specifically not to, like, be deployed outside of their home, uh, home, what do you call them, Oblast, which was was immediately, like, that right was revoked. And they are actually performing, like, as good, like, the actual quality difference between, like, the regular Ukrainian infantry battalions and a TDF battalion is almost imperceptible at this point. Like, I think after, like, a certain amount of experience, I think white guys can just do it, do the job, you know? Which, as a soldier as well, like, like you know, it makes, makes me as a regular soldier. Like, yeah, like, actually, we weren't all that impressive, you know? If you just, you can actually, gr- like, you, you learn on the job, right? And after, so with the war, the war's gone long now, there are probably guys in in the TDF in Ukraine who have more combined arms military experience than like, you know, actual veterans of the Gulf War, right? And like the the, the GWAT. Like, I think we may have to reassess how fast people can learn to be soldiers on the job. Just looking at what what's happened in Ukraine, and the same thing with like Wagner just pulling guys out. Like, hey, did, you haven't killed anybody recently, right? You, know, you haven't killed anybody in the last couple couple weeks, like. Uh, just you know, welcome. Like you know, we'll go to these prisons and say like, if you've murdered or raped, we can like you know maybe get you in here. This is mostly for guys yeah. who have like non-violent crimes, but like those guys did fine. If like, apt like, did like the job of war might be easier than it's cracked up to be because I think we do get in our own heads when we train constantly the regular army. Like, well, a bunch of civilians would they'd fuck up this patrol base if you just they'd be a gaggle fuck, but like. Yeah, but like maybe they wouldn't after the first month, you know. I think that, I mean there's yeah there's there's something to be said for you know some OJT if you will. I think um, having worked at that end, I think you could kind of compare it probably to like professional fighting, like MMA fighting, if you will. So uh, I don't know if you remember back when before, well, as MMA was becoming big, they still had like in bars and things they'd have like tough man contests and just some, you know, 300 pound dude or 250 pound dude. They just get in there and just swing the shit out of their hands at each other. And like guys that are just bar brawlers. And I think it's like, you do that, you know, a few times you get used to it. You see how other guys are doing it, but you're only going to, you're only going to progress so far, but it's when you can get in there and actually learn, like get good instruction from guys that are going to really expand your knowledge base, really expand your capabilities, teach you things you didn't even know that you didn't know. Then you put a guy like that in there with somebody, you know, at this tough man level, no matter how many fights he's got, and he's going to get fucking crushed. So stuff like, so this, uh, I agree with you, but I think we're, cause 
but I th- I think the idea of like in our infantry is of a higher quality than their infantry is kind of like doesn't seem to be mattering much at all. Like we don't we don't really see like occasionally you see like trench raids where like a Wagner elite stormtroopers will run up against like Ukrainian nobodies and like uh or like the SF Ukrainian guys will run up against like DPR militia guys and really rock their shit mm-hmm. and there's all kind of cool footage of that. But generally it seems like what's like actual infantry skill is just seems very it's like no you're gonna run across this field as fast as you fucking can and hope we keep their heads <laughs> yeah. down right and like i mean as it's they got pie and corners and looking through windows and throwing flashbangs and doing things on timers like it seems like it's you're just like if you can learn it to call if you could learn to call in artillery it seems like like and that's also once again as someone who did it as a fucking guy as a fucking normal fucking idiot and like trained trained it probably more than we needed to it's not actually that hard. Like it seems like you're, the the we, Americans, especially, uh, we have this like cult of infantrymen or grunts or guys guys holding rifles and killing people with rifles, and it just seems like it's not really happening. And even those that times it it is happening, it seems like just like mass. Like where okay, like it, I would rather having assessed this war, have a platoon of you know TDF or Donbass conscripts than. 10 guys who were like pre-war whatever whatever because it seems like most of this war you're just you're just seeing them and calling in stuff and like the actual i i I don't know i I don't want to say like skills don't matter but it's like what i've seen mostly in in the the, combined arms you could be weaker right with combined arms the footage that i've seen is is mostly like conscripts holding trenches occasionally rarely but it's you know getting dunked on by special forces and the occasional like gotcha grenade drop from a drone. Other than that, they're pretty much just, just yeah, holding positions so that artillery or whatever in other positions can do the actual work. Seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we don't know how many of those badass commando raids by either side just like ended up the minefield or like managed to get in. They closed with. They really fucked up like that enemy platoon and on the way out as they're retreating back their lines they just got fucking plastered with by mortars yeah. or you know like or whatever yeah yeah so um it I seems mean, like there's, i mean there's a lot of moving parts to consider because i mean yeah you do have to consider like who's doing the the forward movement and who's just sitting there waiting to shoot anybody that shows up or yeah. what is the yeah. quality of the people that are i mean is is russia sending some true hitters or are they just sending, you know, Hey, we just need to keep this dance going and burn up as much resources as we can. Or, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, but I mean, I think you are, I mean, you're, you're not wrong in, in terms of, yeah, you can learn this, this job as you do it. I think the $64 question for, um, for the Jew in the t-shirt is can these guys learn it? fast enough and are you going to have enough guys left you know as they get smoked well, while trying i would to actually learn. put it somewhat differently i don't i don't think i have um i mean maybe this is obvious to other people and i kind of always got i mean you know i, I it's not that i'm not you i've felt like i've never heard the phrase industrial warfare or you know played hearts of iron or something but i i guess in terms of how i conceptualized or, or theorized war contemporary warfare what what i've what I've come to or kind of hit me the other day was the like 
it's the weapons like when people and this is how you, you you'll you'll notice this if you if you if you pay attention to like like press releases and and the way that the media and the intelligence services talk about capabilities like capabilities military capabilities are measured in terms of numbers of weapons platforms because the the meat that that you know, with 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 the with the uh with the heartbeat like is interchangeable in a way that or I guess they're they're both interchangeable, but in different ways. But like one piece of heavy equipment can destroy kind of more arbitrary numbers of you know meat bags than the other way around. Uh, and so, like where where the where the the industrialization, as I kind of have been thinking about it, fits in is um, like th- there, there's it's essentially, it's essentially reduces to two questions, which are number one like how many heavy weapons platforms and what kinds, but really just how many can you produce? And number two, like how quickly can you train operators of that equipment, whether it's tanks, planes, or, you know, tube artillery, what literally whatever, it kind of doesn't matter. Like, and, and that's where I think the Lewis's point about, you know, the um, like general intelligence is real. And so when you have a, high median IQ population, like a European population, like a Persian or Iranian population versus, you know, or like a Ukrainian and a Russian population, right. Versus like a Somalian population or, or, a, um, you know, an, an Arab population, although they're obviously somewhat more capable than, uh, they're, they're more able to, um, operate the equipment effectively. But you notice like Saddam had on paper a huge army, right. And it didn't do shit because, okay. Yeah. You people talk, talk that up to training, but, Obviously, intelligence of the population is a huge. It's, you know, you can give the same person two different people with different. Uh, you know, if one has an eighty-five IQ and the other has one hundred fifteen IQ. You can give them the same training on the same equipment. Obviously, the results are going to be very, very different. So, like the industrial process is a question of like f- producing the physical material and then producing the operators. But just because of the way these things, I mean, there's there are millions and millions and millions more potential operators of even light equipment, you know, like rifles, like a, a, a right. I think it's, it's even ultimately uh, in terms of how I'm theorizing it uh, or how I'm suggesting that we theorize contemporary warfare. Like when you have millions of rifles, like way more rifles than like people, you know, that's at a certain point that's like, okay, but then, you know, you, you, rifles can also be destroyed. And what happens if the manufacturing bases? So, so you essentially rifle stockpiles are the same thing as 155 millimeter artillery shell stockpiles, just a little different. You know, and same thing with with, you know, planes that you only have a couple dozen of like it, it's it's a scaling problem, not um, a question of, of, of a difference in kind. But I'm, I'm curious to hear what 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 you all have to have to say in response. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of that I agree with. I mean, looking at Iraq and Afghanistan, I mean, these dudes, these are dudes in fucking flip flops and man dresses like but a lot of them, and especially like the Iraqis, like a lot of these people are dumb as the day is long, but just through that kind of natural selection, that evolution, they did learn on the job. And those fuckers, by the time I left the last time, like those fuckers could set up an ambush and they would come at you and they don't have shit, man, except a cell phone and an AK, but they would still <laughs> yeah. put the fear God in. Oh, dude, sure. Right, sure. One of my fucking old squad leaders who was in uh, 06 in 10th Mountain, uh, he was telling stories of, like, they would, you know, give candy to kids or whatever bullshit they were doing. And uh, they would, like, he would notice that, like, one of the kids was fucking 
checking if they had side plates in when they'd come out to get candy from him. Like, checking his fucking, his uh, IOTV if he had side plates in. And he was like, oh, fuck. Like, we're we're, we're about to get fucked up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, so I guess, you know. So the, the more complicated the equipment, the, yeah, the, the, more, the more complicated the equipment, the obviously the more intelligence you need to operate it, right? So, and that's another kind of place where that fits in. But yeah, go on. Oh, well, so I mean, I guess in in a in a general sense, when you talk about warfare and being able to to fight with you know whatever enemy and whatever shape that takes, um, I think it, it the kind of general idea of evolution applies where it's not always the smartest, it's not always the strongest, it's mm-hmm. who's best able to adapt to the situation. So whether mm-hmm. that's you know you think of like a conventional U.S. force fighting. VC, you know, Vietnam, like this was, this was a very weird mismatch, but it was not something that the U S was ready for, not something they were prepared to engage with. And it fucked up a lot of people, like really put the zap on a lot of guys heads. Um, moving into like Iraq, Afghanistan, it was a lot of the same thing, but we were better prepared for it. And as that situation evolved, where these guys are able to make weapons out of, I mean, like you got a fucking room temperature IQ, but they can make, a weapon out of damn near anything. Like you leave fucking speaker wire out, like they're going to figure out a way to kill you with it. Like, well, that was yeah, one yeah. of the, the craziest things about Iraq was that I don't think people understand how much of that was like literally General Suleimani himself. Like hmm. he created Al Quds force in Iran to go train these retarded guys how to build, but like I <laughs> build EFPs. Like I don't Arabs can't build EFPs. EF, the EFP is a pretty advanced piece of like engineering tech. But you bring in some engineers who can, like, just teach them how to assembly line it. Like, you know, you can crank them out. Uh, so in, I think I think that's an underrated part of this equation is uh, – well, not underrated because I think we're realizing it now with Ukraine. But, like, how much of the industrial capacity and intellectual capacity you can, like, borrow or be sent by allies. Like, neither side in this war is actual industrial – like, like they're – Neither side's war material producing factories will be targeted in the Ukraine war, right? Ukraine, none of the war factories yes. are in Ukraine. Zero. Right. So and this the is Russian just a battle. Are... This is like a like a battleground where the, the it's like a video. It's like a RTS. Input, yeah, are in are are off limits. Yes, very much so. And 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 that's exactly that's exactly that's exactly right. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. And so it doesn't really like Ukrainians just are they're just like interchangeable white people, you know, like they're, they're for the purposes of military fight. They're actually probably better as a, at a population level than the current, you know, American population, probably about on a par with the, with the populations elsewhere in Europe. But um, in terms of their ability, your ability to just take a sentient meat bag and stick it in front of a tube artillery and say, okay, this is how you like correct for range or whatever. Like that's, you know, it, it that that's not that's not that which is which is which is I don't know if it's a that's a that's the part that that concerns me that's the part that um I think is really um upsetting uh Putin actually had a um I guess an interview yesterday the day recently you know right like as this shit with Wagner and Prigozhin like I, maybe we haven't even we, we sort of alluded to it I don't know for posterity like like we were recording this on the day just like hours after Evgeny Prigozhin and Dmitry Yukin's um, plane exploded for as yet. I mean, I guess everybody, I think the null hypothesis has to be, they were taken out by Putin. Who knows? But, um, the, uh, the, um, 
yeah, just the 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 insanity has has overshadowed. Well, Prokofiev um, is also replaceable, right? Like, absolutely replaceable. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, he's the CEO. He's not even really like you know. And they even have you know, they're, 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 even Yukin, like, That's he, right. That's right. Uh, I think I was I was relating to it in our other private chat that it's like it's like when the Mongol Khan dies because uh, Wagner is run with a bunch of, like, like sub warlords who have their own like ten like ten thousand five five thousand guy. Joe Gloves call them Tumens, like in the in the in the you know like the Mongols, but well, all those guys are they're they're going to pick a new Khan, like and it'll it'll just be fine. It's not a big deal because uh, people are just replaceable. But I the, think it'll... the yeah, and and so the the. Uh... Yeah, and and that's the thing is is there are millions and millions still. I don't know how. I mean, you start getting then into like not strictly military problems, but you know, leave aside moral problems, but but just political problems in terms of regime stability at a certain point. But there are probably, I mean, conservatively at least, millions of um, yeah, like you know, white sentient meat bags in Ukraine that could be stuck in front of artillery tubes or whatever. And uh, so then it becomes a question of like how many physical artillery tubes can the United States and friends deliver vers- to the theater versus how many can can Russia deliver to the theater? Well, it becomes almost purely industrial in that yeah. sense. Well, also, like attrition doesn't work. Like it yeah, just doesn't. That's what we're learning. That's what we're learning. Yeah. Yes. And I think, I well, think the it never did. You no, know, it's the attrition of the heavy equipment that's the relevant metric. Yes, that's yeah. I guess you, I guess if, assuming like there's enough, you could kill enough tubes. Yeah. Uh, but still, like, like I, you got you got to destroy if you can destroy the tubes faster than they can be replaced. Like then it does, and that's what I was getting at. Is like if all of the tubes are destroyed, then it's like I mean, I, I, that's maybe a point where like because at that point it doesn't matter how many you know farmers with pitchforks or whatever are left. Like it, you're not. You, then it's like okay, you're actually done and you're it's literally just suicide and i i don't think even the most you know highly motivated uh ideologically or or whatever um soldiers are gonna are gonna you know fight in that situation i would would hope not but i i i fear i'm increasingly convinced and i fear that that is sort of where we are headed i mean dude you're not wrong i think uh these simple tasks, you know, like, Hey, get on this, get on this mortar, uh, hang on to this rifle, sit here. If somebody comes by, shoot them. These simple things, any idiot can get trained on really, um, where you're talking about the, uh, the attrition factor, something that we saw on Iraq and Afghanistan was, you know, and I think this is part of the thing that did the Russians in it. Why, why Afghanistan is the graveyard of empires? Cause these fucking people, man, you know, you go in there and you can stomp the shit out of them. And you can tell them like you, I'm in charge. Do you understand? And they're like, yeah, you're in charge. Say I'm in charge. You're in charge, boss. Do what I say. Okay. I'll do what you say. And the second you turn around and leave, they're going to go right back to doing whatever they want. You can come in and you, you kill the, the chief, you beat up a bunch of people and you say, Hey, I said, I'm in charge. They're like, okay, boss, you're in charge. And again, as soon as you leave, they're right back to doing whatever they want. They just kind of flow with it. And eventually they do wear you down. It becomes frustrating as fuck. And you go into these, like I went into more than a few villages in like Iraq and you get these stock answers because they're not smart enough, you know, to kind of make the answer their own. And they're like, oh no, sir, this area is very safe. If there was any trouble, I would tell you right away. And it's like a rehearsed answer, a stock answer. Like, I didn't even need a terp after a while. I know exactly what this phrase means. Wallah ma'arif, sir. Uh, that, we can't, say, God, we can't say terp anymore. It's a slur. 
what? <laughs> We're not allowed to say chirp anymore. It's a slur. Okay. Well, no shit. Are they really saying that? No, I'm not kidding. What are you fucking supposed to say? Interpreter? <sighs> My indigenous mouthpiece? Uh, so they're all kind of, they, all these contracting companies, we get them from now, have their mm-hmm. own corporate, corporate fucking acronym. Uh, linguistic specialist. For fuck's sake. My linguist. Luckily, luckily, my terp was fucking, had been doing it for 15 years before I got there. So he was, he was a terp. No, I'm a terp. Okay, thank God. Dude, I had but a guy. That, I had friends um, who got bitched out by like, got like HR called on them. Like the terp called terp. fucking corp, con, like corporate HR that was subconning. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Sorry. I had to bring up when you said it. Yes. That's just weird. That's just fucking weird. Yeah. But, it's, um, it's, you know, yeah, I think where you, you know, you can just train any idiot to do a simple task at some point though, you know, whether it's a war of attrition or just, you know, the, the logistic component of like, no, our, our shit is just wired too tight. We have too many people trained on too many simple things and eventually we'll fuck you up. Eventually it comes down to killing somebody. That's what war is about. And I'll tell you, man, um, the, some of the worst shit I ever saw, the, the, the hardest thing to look at, I think, that I ever saw was uh, young Marines filling out shooter statements on some of their bros that just got smoked. And you can kind of tell, like, after a while, like, how just looking at a guy, like, how things went, you know, because if you see guys with, uh, with, like, blood on their knees or their boots, it means they're, like, moving through. But you see a guy with blood all up to his elbows, it means one of his bros got smoked and he was working on him. And you see these kids in there, and they're fucking kids, man. And they had clearly been sold this bill of goods. They're like, yeah, man, walk in a straight line for a few months, and you'll be a bad motherfucker. And such is not the case. That's not the way any of this works. And especially you know, in the West, we live in such a sheltered society that you honestly think that you can, like, you're just inherently better at shit, and you're fucking not. Like, you got to fucking struggle like anybody. You know, you got a softer bed and maybe some better food, but you got to fucking put out or you're going to get fucking beating. And when you get out there, no matter what that war looks like, whether it's conscripted guys or professional soldier, you know, whatever that country's version of professional soldier is, you know, or some guy with a stick defending his fucking house, however comfortable that guy is with putting somebody else in the ground is going to is going to be a large factor. I mean, we went in there as fucking pros. Like I showed up, I was fortunate to show up at like the top of the bell curve, you know, if, well, however you say, like at the, at the peak of U S military capability and these fucking guys shooting at you from the side of Hills from the same spot that maybe like his grandfather shot at the Russians or that guy's great grandfather shot at the English. And they mean fucking business. And that guy is using the same AK that his grandfather used, you know, and it, a lot of it does come down to like how comfortable are you with doing this shit. So when we talk about conscription and you're talking about I'm going to bring some poor bastard that, you know, he might be suited to this or he might just be completely out of his fucking element. And even if it's that simple task and you're going to put him in front of that, that weapon, whatever it is, and say, hey, shoot, anybody comes down this road. I mean, in a lot of cases, you're fucking that guy for life. Like he, well, even if he walks out of that, he's yeah, fucked. I agree, but I do think in the in the context of like 
uh, just putting it in a very purely cold, cold calculating viewpoint, the psychological damage that soldiers take isn't a factor until the war ends or they like leave theater. So like soldiers, I mean, I've seen it happen like once where guy, a guy just like broke down and couldn't fucking do it and get sent home. But generally guys will just like push through it. And I think we do it in fucked up ways. Like, like shooter statements, like, like, Hey, one of your buddies got smoked. Now write like a fucking book about it. Is like yeah. probably the last fucking thing you would want to do in like a real conventional conflict. I guarantee yeah. you it's not happening in Ukraine because like it's like, hey, could you like solidify and really like pin down the the trauma you went through? It's obviously yeah. like I actually don't know who the well, it's like legal, it's like a legal, it's like a jag thing, right? But yeah, Which so the that. lawyers can come and you know maybe yeah. get hung by your nuts later because we've seen that too, yeah. man. We're like, there's the lawyer, like, hey, come yeah. on in here, I got some questions. Fuck you. Yeah, but, um, but so but like I think the the. You, that's one of those things where I think we, we we're just like almost like we trained wrong as like an elaborate like prank for the last twenty years of war in America. Like, yeah, like the, these are just like like the concerns of like how to like. I mean, I think the one of the most common classes we did in the regular grunts was like here. This is like very in depth classes on like searching dead bodies for things and how to do it safely and what if he's got a grenade here? Is it really dead or X Y Z? All the like what ifs to the fucking nines. Yeah. And like, they're not doing that shit in Ukraine. Right. They're not, they're not like, like, Oh, that's a dead guy. I'm not fucking touching him. Yeah. Like the idea that we're like patting down dead goose, dead guys for like Haji documents, which was already kind of like a, they really carry in their like social security card on them. Probably not. Yeah. But, but <laughs> Check like, we have to, yeah. Um, like it's like, we, we we have we have all these weird skills we don't really need, and I mean, we getting like you know the death by like the transgender. I think I mentioned it on the last power on the last episode. I'll do it again. When I joined up, the transgender brief was a single slide in a greater presentation on like gay bullshit, and when I left, it was a hour long civilian contractor lady. Like it was whole her whole job was to go around to units giving the transgender brief. Which was an hour long, it's on hold. and yeah, but like you, but that so you can cut all that fat. My, my what, what I think of, and I've heard this, I was yeah, I haven't vindicated one way or the other, is that so the that's why a peacetime draft gets so fucking weird in America because America will need to do a draft to maintain the current capability levels, right? In a wartime scenario like in Ukraine, you can cut out all this bullshit. Like, you can even cut out, like, a lot of the stuff we learn in training. Like, you really don't need to do, like, a shitload of fucking, uh, like, mount, like, mount, like, like, urban warfare training for, like, these guys. You kind of learn that on the job better than anybody else. Like, also, urban warfare training in a conventional war is, like, throw a grenade in that room, you know? It's not like you're not doing SWAT team shit. They're not, uh, I guess, unless you have to. But, uh, a lot of these, but these, these, this bullshit, if you do, like, a, a draft, they can't draft you into like the General Lee Battalion, right? They just can't. Like you, you can't do any of the cool like moves that a country, like, a country can do in war to ameliorate like the issues of, of a peacetime draft. So, like, how are they going to do it? Is they're they're they they really are fucked because if they're not going to raise the pay, well, that's going to be a shitty job, right? <laughs> yeah. And if they're not going to make things based, there's 
there's just like there's going to be issues, but also they don't need to do like uh, Greek style conscription where it's just every every man, right? So they're yeah. going to need to like target it slightly. And who are they going to target? Well, if you do if you do a random sampling of Americans, it's only going to be like for like the, for, of young men, like ages seventeen to 25, 25. That's not a very white cohort, my guys. That's that's so, true. Which look at what that does to the capability. Yeah, but, and um, are, so are you, I bet so they're going to do some stuff. I can already predict it. They kind of already done it. Is like okay, so if you're if you're beyond a certain threshold of IQ, you're free, which makes things a little whiter. Um, but then like, are you going to start doing like <laughs> massive IQ testing? And what if guys <laughs> just start failing the IQ test intentionally? You get well, that's, yeah, <laughs> there's yes, of course you could, you know, you, you know, you guys, guys. I gotta get cracking, man. I gotta, yeah. I gotta cut oh, okay. away, man, and get downstairs and tend these punk kids. But um, it's it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, and um, everybody check out coffee. We'll, we'll make show, sure to have you sure. back on. That's yeah, and definitely yes, everybody check out uh, took coffee's podcast on his channel. I'll, I'll make sure to put the link there. And and thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, we'll definitely. We'll definitely have you uh, if you're back when when uh, yeah let's do that. Cool, cool. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you guys soon. You too. Um, yeah, we, we can. I don't want to stay too too much longer, but I did want to talk a little more. Um, I just, do you want a progression post? I want yes, but I wanted to, like maybe to 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 close out what we were saying about conscription and the American military and all that stuff. Um, I just think that I mean that's the that's the problem. Is there really like uh liberalism really is in something like the um marxist analysis of uh capitalism collapsing under its own contradictions i don't know collapse is is probably gonna you know collapse is a loaded term obviously and it doesn't mean things happen overnight um but it really does like the the problem is the practice like the the regime ideology is so 180 degrees divorced from reality that the kinds of things that they need to do to course correct just in practical ways think you know like like reshoring manufacturing uh it's i mean start we go pick a pick pick anything you know build you know repairing bridges like anything the, the, the but they can't do that prevent planes from crashing you know um the FAA has um made a big push to have more non-white air traffic controllers and there hasn't been an accident yet thank god but it, there have been a lot more close calls than they used to be and there nobody can figure out why it was like well it's a, geez uh you know yeah it's a it's a real mystery uh the, the 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 steps the concrete steps the practical steps that have to be taken to course correct are ideologically unthinkable and so i i mean yeah and and people want to like i uh, Mike, Mike has mentioned this before, and, and I am the same way, where I, I really up until about a year or two ago, um, I just assumed uh, that, okay, yeah, this ideology is crazy and whatever, but there are, if not exactly, um, you know, adults in the room, at least uh, some kind of sense of self-preservation and some kind of minimal connection to reality that's going to result in policies like, for example, the 1990s, you know, criminal reform uh, stuff where 
because in the 1990s the ideology was every bit it's the same thing there was it wasn't like it was any different but they had to pay and, and they paid lip service they had to pay and they did pay lip service no we're not this isn't racist uh we're just locking up criminals i mean that was you know joe biden's whole thing if they just happen to be black oh well you know that doesn't make it racist and and that was okay and everybody kind of you know wink wink nudge nudge swept it under the rug and that was that um that's no longer possible that's literally like literally letting violent felons out of jail is, is like a bipartisan consensus in the united states you know what i mean like it, it's not there's no like there's there's no one at the wheel or i mean or, or to the extent people are like the the the, the rudder is not responding because it's it's wired backwards or something yeah i, I mean i i think we also have like we are unfortunately as like collapsed predictors or whatever kind of there the time like the current you know, these, there's probably a five, ten year prediction that we can be a draft. You know, it's not sure. immediate. Like we can maintain the current good enough system. Oh yeah, no, this isn't. Gonna, as you know, I said, yes, this is not. I mean, it might, but it, it, uh, I, I'm actually not. I, I um, the Pergosian stuff happens along the in the in the backdrop of like the, the uh, presumptive nominee for the Republican Party being threatened with jail for essentially as a you know be, be, being a political prisoner. Uh, of the regime i mean like these are you know again i'm not to i'm not simping for donald trump i'm just putting it in you know analytic terms that a an objective historian would describe like the political machinations and 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 blatant corruption of just the the regime and in its its various crimes and like what precipitated what or what you know and 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 i and i wouldn't it's not that trump voters or boomers are going to do anything it's more just this is extreme late stage you know collapsing republic type stuff um and yeah, I mean that, which is not to say it'll happen overnight, although it might. But yeah, probably, probably we're looking at more, more of a five to ten year horizon for, um, for when things get really interesting. I would, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I also think that, like, so conscription will, they can like there will there are ways they can do that will not there are things they do that won't like violate their ideological whatever whatevers. Um, and they, there's no reason they won't do them. Like do like a don't, so they wouldn't just jump to like what the Russians do where the Russians, cause the Russians have had a system in place for a long time. Like they, they draft a hundred thousand guys a year or just, or a hundred or two thousand. They may have upped it recently, but they generally draft about a hundred thousand guys into the military every year. Um, they will probably weep. We probably wouldn't jump to that, right? It'd be like, okay, well, this year there's a trial period where, um, you know, we're drafting, you know, five thousand randomly selected people. I uh, yeah, and they I mean, will they could be, try. I'm, I'm actually. I don't, you just ease I don't it even in know if they could get away with that. I don't even know if they could. I I, I press I press well, X to you, doubt. There would be the political problems, but not the military problems, of it, right? If you slowly yeah. do it and you break up the draftees in, in up up in like into they're not all draftees like it's a it's a, a partially volunteer partially draft basic training class you can kind I think of like the only way that works is if you make it a bipartisan thing where I mean, yes and, and, absolutely like uh, yeah. for the for the war with iran and china and russia yes like this will be bipartisan that's that's i think i think that's a foregone conclusion i, I the draft will be bipartisan I, I don't know. it I mean, will maybe also be anti-white because every everything is anti-white and bipartisan like that's yeah 
Like, sure. I I don't know that. Maybe this is just me being naive or something. I I don't think they could get. I mean, maybe this is just why they need info, total information control. But I don't think they could get away with another. Um, what they did to the anti-war Iraq movement. Like, I I just because it's yes, I you know, libtards are going to be on board, but the 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 Republican base has. I mean, say whatever you again. I'm not. Like, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not a, the Ramaswamy 2024 guy or something, you know, despite my, my heritage. Could have fooled me, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like, Ramaswamy has basically, like, he, he's, he's essentially tied for second with Ron DeSantis and edging Ron DeSantis slightly, like, purely on a quote-unquote isolationist foreign policy platform. Like, they, I, don't, I haven't seen that word so much bandied about, but that's identifiably what he what he's doing, why he's popular. And, and the other 60, 70% of the Republican primary voter share that's going to Trump is in large part motivated by that as well. So like, I, I don't, I'm just, and, and, and the thing is like, people could say like, Oh, well, you know, it's just, it's gonna be the same as in the Iraq war with the parties flipped maybe, but there wasn't any anti, there was no, like the, the anti-war left circa 2001, was just a joke. It didn't, I mean, anti what war? I mean, like, yeah, there were some people complaining about like, uh, uh, you know, airstrikes in, in Yugoslavia and Africa or whatever, but that wasn't, that wasn't anything. And there wasn't like, it wasn't an organized movement. There was no sense of collective grievance on the part of the Democrat party and their voters of like, you know, we're getting involved in these foreign adventures for like, no, I mean, the nineties was, it was a great flowering of the Pax Americana. And it was, it was, a, it was, you know, peace at the point of, of a retarded Negroid gun, but it was a certain kind of peace and there was a certain kind of prosperity and there wasn't really any constituency for an isolationist message because it wasn't really much of an issue. Now it is. And not only has it, not only is it an issue, it's like you, you we've now seen, I mean, as we referenced it earlier in, in, in this show, 20 fucking years, 20 fucking years in, in Iraq with what to show for it. And, 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 and however it was 17 or something or 20 and, 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 and uh, or 19 or whatever in, in, Afghanistan like, wiped away in, in, in like three days. So I, I just, and everybody is, it, it, these things aren't just going to disappear into the either in terms of attitude. So, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. And, and I, of course there'll be a full court press and of course there'll be more <laughs> consume retarded, uh, rightoid country song, get real excited for next retarded rightoid country song about why we have to go fight China or whatever. But, uh, cause I'm sure they will be, I'm sure they'll have a bunch, you know? Uh, but like who, I, I just have a hard time believing that the cattle are like actually going to eat that particular slop. I could be wrong. I mean, so the thing is like it, I think the, if they're going to sell it, it may come as part of a greater package of stuff. So, like, if we if we see this as let me see it, let me see this, how if I'm like Carl Rove or somebody like a operator hap, operative, like I'm gonna sell this to Frank you. Frank Luntz, yes, <laughs> Frank Big Nuts Luntz, and it's, it's years twenty twenty nine. Things seem worse in America, like even from today. Crime, it's out of control. There's Hospitals are worse, uh, you know, even like sewage problems, some power, brownouts, brown and things have gotten remarkably worse. And both parties agree to a program 
that will draft people into key industries like the police, EMS, sewage and water, power stuff. And on the edge of that is like also they're going to be like, you know, we're going to have some like EMS guys, but they're actually like army EMS guys and they can't deploy, but they're going to be trained at fort, whatever, whatever. And they just drip like you, there is a possibility that like we really, America does need some kind of like at some point with, even with both police and like infrastructure, we're going to need some level of like government thing. And you could easily put into some kind of like rejuvenation package or whatever you want to call it. Infrastructure bill. Like, assuming the government won't, won't just throw money at things until the end of the days, which is, yeah, <laughs> assume, you know? assume a can opener, you know, like, I, yeah, I just, yeah. yeah, I mean, I get I, what you're they, saying, they, but, like, I don't you, think, they could be smart, like, it's, 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 yeah, they we could, but we're, like, that's what, <laughs> up until, up until, like, essentially COVID, I sort of granted the premise, without even much thinking about it, that there were enough people that, yes, quote, unquote, could be smart, that, that, they would just again basic self-preservation instincts would kick in i no longer that's certainly not something to be taken for granted i guess is my point yeah i think i uh i i want i I will i will say i think encryption has been a massive success to ukraine for all it's just to kind of end things and oh yeah for 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 ukraine Um, yeah if i mean they would be done otherwise of course and it seems like um, maybe, and but also been, like, point, subjected uh, to, I mean, we've all been psyop, but they've really, they've been like, I, I don't know. I, at some point I'll have to do, we'll have to look into this like Ukrainian yeah. Nazi ideology because it's really weird. It's not Hitler's it's, national socialism. It's not what we would identify as white nationalism. It's some bizarre, like it's literally pseudoscience from what I've seen. It's literally like they have like whatever it is with totarian whatever like, what do they call it's like it? pseudoscience linguistics right like it's like they're making their own it's yeah but also archaeology and and, and anthropology they're claiming that like it, it's there's i guess elements of um elements of reality in that yeah you know it does seem that the aryan migrations well it's actually not not at all clear but certainly they passed through at the least the ukraine this you know region of the world fairly early on in the in the migrations westward into Europe from like Pakistan, Afghanistan ish regions and, and may in part have originated there. It's not all this stuff is very unclear. But uh regardless, like they're 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 not it's not even like we was Aryans. It's it's we was like like Portuguese. It it's it's bizarre. It's it's like the, the I don't know as I said I'm not a super expert on it but it's it's like anthropologically linguistically historically archaeologically just garbage but it's in every Ukrainian kid's history book and has been since at least 2014 and and this thing of like yeah the, the this like they're they're not they're this thing about like the Russians are these Mongol you know uh, uh, half Asian um, whatever like that so is just something so true. That, well, that's like that's like official Ukrainian historiography in the history books that are certified by the state educational ministry. Like that's official Ukrainian history of the world, and and so it it it's very it's very very strange. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to kind of pivot away, but if we look to the set yeah, of Ukraine, yeah, yeah. I want to contrast to this with Poland, Germany, and France. 
all in theory doing their big military buildups against future Russian aggression. None of them are touching a draft. And <laughs> well, why effect- would they? They can they can build well, because, lots of material. No, no yeah, well, there's that. Like, and just plug the meat machines in later. Yeah, but like, assuming that like they're kind of really se- like they're really selling out on Ukraine winning this thing because you like you cannot fight a serious land war against another serious country without a draft. It's just not going to happen. Like Russia, even though they don't deploy, well. You get with Russia's literally they have, they have mobilized are different than like actual conscripts. Like their yeah. actual conscripts are barely if ever deployed. Like actual like you know they're also legal restrict. Well, they're they're basically yeah, they're legally prohibited to to this day as of the current as of this recording from deploying in Russia. It has happened accidentally yeah. or whatever is a result of you know they're, they're but they're not legally they're not supposed to be able to be in Ukraine at all. The conscripts yeah. proper conscripts. Well, but the, uh, but then like those guys free up, yeah. you know, troops to go, and like, I I don't know how terrified Zog is that they're just like not letting the Germans have a military still. Like that was one of my biggest predictions <laughs> of this beginning of this war. Like, well, Germany's got to remilitarize like, naturally if we're going to do yeah. this. If we're doing saying that a while. European la- European land wars, like that's like obviously you need Germany to. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying though about like the disconnection from reality, or at least the inability to to course correct for whatever structural reasons. Like they they don't they seem incapable of it. That's the yeah. that's the thing that has me. Did, like, remember, the only thing remember Macron floated that like national service thing, and it was well people were really floating popular. that. For, I mean, the Americans, yeah. I remember that being floated probably. Is if I recall correctly, even before nine eleven, that was that was like a thing yeah. that was floated. And, it, and it, it's always deeply unpopular. Um, but I, so I, I don't I I think the actual hurdle in the, is the peacetime draft. I think the wartime draft may be easier because they can just like. Actually, it's an actual. Well, no, war. you just like, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you just say that the emergency power yeah. is war. Of course. Well, that that was I, I guess I didn't. That was the other. Like it, it. I mean, again, maybe this is just sort of obvious to people. It, it was, it was intuitive. I mean, it was something I kind of intuitively understood, but I had to think about it more to kind of identify it as a specific phenomenon. Of, um, yeah, like the the whole the whole theory. Like, I, I guess what what I, what I have learned just observing NATO over the past year year and a half is, um, like, number one, it really is, like, it's 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 designed to be modular. It's, it's, it's designed the way the national, the American national guard is designed where it's not like the Louisiana national guard or the Texas national, well, maybe the Texas national guard is a slight exception, but, um, or, or the, or the, you know, Alabama national guard are, are intended to be, um, like independent fighting units. Like obviously, you know, uh, Vermont is not going to field an army, right? Or Vermont is going to field like, uh, an artillery, yeah, yeah, right, whatever, and and it's not going to be, it's not even necessarily going to be all the same kind of battalion. It's going to be, you know, whatever that, whatever, like let's say the Massachusetts or New York, um, you know, these bigger, maybe slightly bigger state national guards, but even those are not necessarily going to be armies. It's just, it's it it units to plug in where they are needed into a broader command structure, and that is how NATO works. Is like there is no 
I don't know about again France and Germany, maybe slight exceptions potentially. I'm not sure, but certainly like Alba I don't know Albania is not a member, made a member, but like Greece or even maybe Greece is maybe not the the best example because they they at least have an independent navy um, to to ward off the Turks. But I don't I don't get the sense that you know the uh, 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 the Belgian army right is like going to be out there as like oh we're the Belgian army and we're going to march to you know Moscow or whatever like it's. Uh, and, and and I think even for France and Germany, in large part, in in very large part, even, uh, or maybe maybe for Germany and not so much for France. France is probably the only real exception here. Um, but for everyone else in NATO, uh, it's they are fielding units of various sizes that are plugging into a broader force structure that has been put together by and commanded by the United States. Um, and maybe, you know, we have like a little token, uh, uh, field marshal Montgomery doing whatever, our, you know, yes, you, you can have a, you can have a whatever too. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, and, and that's like what they're doing in, in a very similar way, I think in Ukraine, that's how they're sort of treating this problem. And that's why that accounts for this phenomenon. A lot of people have, have noticed and, and, and discussed where these, uh, uh, divisions or, or smaller structures will exist on paper, but they're made out of constantly recycled battalions that are themselves, or sorry, brigades that are made out of constantly recycled uh, uh, battalions and so on kind of down the line where like these units may continue existing on paper, but it's like 95% turnover over, over a six month period, sometimes even in the, in the actual units um, in terms of, you know, what units are constitu constituting this other bigger unit. Um, so it's, it's an extremely modular approach, which you can understand intuitively the, the appeal of it, but it's also just extremely complicated to manage. I also think that the, the, the conscription thing, it's, we also mentioned like it's lost technology. It is, it seems like it's almost impossible. It's, it's hard to find a country that had peacetime conscription, got rid of it. And brought it back, like it's. It seems like once you, did, <laughs> yeah, once you make that move, it's like yeah. Because then yeah. you basically have to like admit. So, so I think the U.S. probably could have done. So we've never, we've never been a country with conscription, and we can say, oh well, you know, the world, the world has gotten more aggressive. But if you're like bringing it back in France, you basically have to admit that like. The, the post-war order has failed. Yeah, the French political elite have drastically miscalculated, and actually, yeah. like, yeah. so I, I think even for the United States, I mean, that's I guess I, I sort of lost track of my point, and, and just to, to bring it all home, like the the um, the uh, the idea is you have like a, 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 a whatever, however many hundred thousand people in the United States military. The idea is they are a train, like everybody's a special, like in the sense that like. Special forces, as originally conceived, are like to train your grunts, right? They're a force multiplier. Like your professional standing military is a force multiplier in that exact same way, just for the population at large. To like create, to make a meat bag in, into, from like a meat bag who used to be filling out Excel spreadsheets into a meat bag that can, that can, you know, run an artillery too. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, just back, I think we're kind of wrapping up. But yeah. RWA had a good post about how like, the Russians always, like, once a Russian figure dies, they're immediately kind of, like, off-limits to make fun of and stuff. Um, 
there's a decent chance Pergosian ends up being like an Orthodox saint after this. I have seen, yeah, already. It, I've seen two reactions. I've seen like there's uh, like Armchair Warlord, who's you know he's a fairly big Twitter account following this stuff. Also, ex-military guy. I, I don't 100% agree. He's got the anti-Nazi thing, which whatever. But um, he's had a lot of good analysis, and he was essentially dunking on Pergosian. <laughs> he was like, "What did you expect?" Which, yeah, I mean, you know, fair enough. But um, and, and then I've seen some. I think one of these big Russian Telegram. I don't know if it was Remy Lind or it was uh, Rog- Vladimir Rogov, I think, said something like, you know, today a traitor to the Russian Federation has perished. Or, you know, he, he was like, you know, press S to spit. Um, but I've also seen, yeah, like, Prigozhin was a hero and a victim of a cowardly terrorist attack and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, the, the secular hagiography is already ramping up. And and yeah, I would, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if if they could ramp up a religious hagiography to go along with it. Oh yeah, no, give it like, give it some time. You get like twenty years, fifteen, twenty years. But yeah, I mean, I think the RJ pointed out like compared to Tsar Nicholas, who went from being like literally the devil in Russian memory to like act, to literally being made a saint. Mm. Um, and some of that is obviously you know he was obviously a more important figure and Bolshevism is bad, but like you know when the Post when the Putin era ends, even if like, and Putin will probably be a saint too, because that's what they say. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I have no doubt of that. Yeah, him but, and, Kir- and Patriarch Kirill. Yeah, both of them. But that's the, like an the, old. That's also that. That is a Central Asian like trope. Like the yeah, yeah. the warlord and the warlord's guru. Like that's. I mean, that goes. You know, there's yeah. stuff and like you know the, the, the Kublai Khan and and uh, and and the and the Sakya school and the Tibetan Buddhism. Yeah. Having this kind of relate the cons and yeah. in Tibetan Buddhism generally, like yeah, that's. Uh, I think I think the the whoever comes after Putin, not naturally, because they always will do some anti-Putin stuff. Like they will ease up on some of the things he's strict on, et cetera, et cetera, and tighten up on other stuff. And part of that will probably be a program of like some Pergosian revisionism. Like I guarantee you, like well, this was the guy, even though he's a fucking Jew or whatever, and uh, like, this was the guy who. Stood up to Putin, you know, and you know he wasn't necessarily a bad guy. And there were some, you know, because that's how Russians do things. They like they, they don't ever like totally uh, like vilify or even deify a person who's gone, but they or a leader that's gone. But they will they will almost always like never leave a villain just as a villain with the unless they're not Russian, right? I mean, Hitler is they're never the Russians really never really like, get into Hitler. But almost any Russian figure will never remain a, an arch villain for too long. Like even Stalin was like, you know, who was probably the most like D like most most after his death the most revisionism. They went from like Stalin the god to Stalin. There was an orth- bit of an asshole. Yeah, to like who blessed a statue of Stalin and then got mildly reprimanded, like slap on the wrist, reprimanded yeah. by the the Russian yeah. Orthodox. Like hey, this is a little. I don't know about that. Yeah, but like, he, but Stalin went from like being like you know before he died like the a kind of a, a the Ho Chi Minh of fucking Russia. After he died, it was like holy shit, that guy was nuts. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then which probably know, went the, too far. Yeah, probably some of that yeah. was like, yeah, it was. There's just blaming him for every problem with Stalin, right? Because it's what you do right. when you take over a place, right? Every, and then now they're like they're doing like some Stalin revisionism. So I think. I think you're definitely going to see some like Pergosian or Yutkin, maybe if Pergosian is a little too toxic because the Jew thing. Like, oh, some 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 Yutkin. Like these guys are going to be Wagner is like kind of. I think I don't know. 
I wanted to bring it up with coffee, maybe next to how Wagner was like is like the J Sock equivalent, and the way like J Sock is yeah. his own branch. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of. yeah, I'm sure he would have. It's agreed. like I'm sure he would have agreed. Uh, Wagner is. I mean, they do more conventional stuff than J Sock does, obviously, because they're a real army and J Sock's a, you know, I guess we'd call it a occupation force. Like J Sock is like, uh, they just issue like they carry out high risk warrants for an occupation force. Effectively, like that's their job, and they gather information and basically do like just rate like they. The same way, like a SWAT team does warrants, they do like high risk warrants in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, whereas, like Wagner does, like you know, large scale war, but like they're these like effectively separate things that do dif- different missions. And uh, I think Wagner's going to be around. I, I, we, we kind of we moved bounced around on it a lot with the coup stuff, especially if this is going to. I think this is going to result in a a a loyaler Putin loyalist. Or just a pure like, actually, I, I don't think it'll be a, at least maybe apolitical. They'll have they'll, they may bring in either a, another uber Putin loyalist, or just like someone who's just a pro, like a, a professional. They'll just pick one of the guys who is a you know one of the Wagner guys who's just oh just like like is it just a soldier you know? And I think Wagner is is just sticking around now. Like they've cut off the part that was like, questionable with Prigozhin, assuming the Russians killed him. And now they do you can think? Become, right? I mean, are we are we in agreement that that's the null hypothesis? Uh, I have a, I, I, I think it's, yeah, but there is also the take that if we agree Prigozhin was being handled by like the West or whatever, or like some the West had a hand in the coup, and then at the end he backed down, this could be them making good on the threat. Like, hey, we'll fucking kill you if this, if you back down and he backed down. Yeah, I mean, I, I, am not. You, I, I, I'm, it could be other stuff, you know. Absolutely, I'm agnostic on. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know that we'll ever know who done it for sure. We might. I don't know. I think, as I said, to me, it's like, what's the null hypothesis? Not like, what? Yeah, you know, I'm, not I who mean, actually did it. I, I would bet. I don't know. Like, if I was a betting man, I think you have to say like the Russian security state did this right probably like probably yeah it's it's, it's, it's so but it's hard to say it's it's really it's it's like uh yeah it's like the 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 dam on the on the river that blew up i mean it's not i think there the null hypothesis is that it was ukraine and they've already they've tried to take advantage of the um recessed Water, you know, there was no longer water in this giant reservoir, essentially, and um, and so now it's traversable, and they've been trying to traverse it, and it's a, you know, what was a fairly impassable water obstacle is now open terrain. Okay, that doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, there were also advantages potentially in in Russia. I mean, I again, I I do think it's more likely that um that it was that it was Ukraine, but it's just. All this shit. I mean, it's you know, it's very cloak and dagger. Yep, I think we. I think let's wrap it up there. We've gone long. Uh, yeah, conscription yeah. bad. Um, going the <laughs> NJP because so you can't be a, so you can't be drafted. Right, that's the only way is to better have that better have that membership card. Well, you know, no, there's also pretending to be retarded on the ASVAB. Yes, the old uh, what do they call that? The Ted Nugent <laughs> method. The old Ted Nugent. <laughs> So yes, de- definitely deliberately score seventy on your on your uh, army IQ test. Uh, you want to mm-hmm. score? I believe the current the current cut is. I think I get below a thirty. 
Oh, I meant like on the I, oh, I, know, so I don't know what yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as dab zap scale is a percentile scale. Um. Okay. So a hundred would be yeah whatever. Yeah. Hundred be fifty, I think. But yeah, so seven, right, whatever. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Don't do it. Uh, don't, 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 don't enlist if you're thinking about it. Stop. Like, don't. I've. I don't Jesus think. Have, yeah, no. I. Oh, yes, you would obviously be surprised. do not do that. Do oh, I got some up, DMs. I got, I got some DMs. Oh, I told you no, but oh, like, if you're no. thinking about it, don't. Oh no! I knew a guy. Yeah. Uh, he had some kind of injury. I'm just glad to see. Uh, he had some kind of injury uh, that he concealed when it's basic. They found it like towards the end of basic at one of his medical exams, uh, and he wasn't allowed to join. And then uh, he gets a call back like, "Hey, uh, we've changed the standards because fucking no one's signing up." And he's like, "Oh, no, I think we go back." I'm like, "You fucking retard." You, if you're listening, you fucking retard. Don't do it. Like, you know who you are. All right. That's that piece. And with that, um, yes, definitely stay safe, everybody. Do not sign up to fight Jewish wars. Take care.